Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. the Fulhamish podcast your independent voice of Fulham FC my name's Sammy James welcome to the show today we're going to be looking back at Fulham's final summer series match a defeat by Chelsea in Washington DC not the way we wanted to end things in the USA but we've made so many friends we've had such a great time in the great nation that does it really matter no not really uh, still live in DC is George Cooper at the FedEx Field. Hello, George. Hello, Sammy. How's it all going? I'm. Uh, I assume that you have similar feelings to me after watching that game, but that game left a lot to be desired. Let's be honest. Yeah. No, it was uh, pretty poor uh, from Fulham. Um, Chelsea, to their credit. Um, managed to run away with it in the first half. Um, how, how was the day, though, in, uh, in Washington before we get to the football? Uh, you tailgated again. You were um, with the Fulham DC lads last night. So how's your time in Washington been? Before we get to the stuff on the pitch, which no one really cares about, do they? It has been absolutely fantastic, I have to tell you, mate. Honestly, the event last night that Fulham organised with Fulham DC, obviously we had... The legend that is Brian McBride showing up and giving a talk about his time at the club, what full America means to him and the fan base. And it was just just a really, really special event. You know, we've, we've said it before. It takes a lot of commitment to be a Fulham fan in America. You know, it's it's not like, you know, people assume that they just sort of dip in and be like, oh, yeah, Fulham are going to be my club. But like the commitment is unbelievable. You've got to get up first thing in the morning, watch the games. You know, and also the thing that people don't realise is that for most of the people that are here, they're the only people in their town, you know, friendship group, whatever, that support Fulham. So the thing that's been really special is the fact that everyone has been able to meet and meet new friends, um, you know, that they didn't realise were here. It's been it's been great. And then the tailgating, again, as it was with Philly, has just been so much fun. Like, I really, <laughs> it's hard to imagine it booting off in Bishop's Park but I hope that one day we could potentially get it going maybe it had to be at the start of the season or the end of the season when the when the weather's a bit nicer but it's just been a top top day start to finish and just a massive thank you to uh, Fulham Philly PH Fulham and Fulham DC for for setting everything up because it's been it's been great it's been so much fun 
Nice. And um, you were at, obviously, the tailgate today. Um, One thing I was interested to know about is how hot is it? Because it looked from the telly, (laughs) it looked horrendous out there. Was it as bad as it looked? I mean, I have to say, today has been a lot cooler than it was yesterday. Yesterday, there was a biblical storm. I've never experienced anything like it. It was so hot, so humid. So about 35 degrees in UK terms and the humidity, I've not experienced anything like it. I was wandering around the monuments and then all of a sudden out of nowhere was the most epic storm I've ever witnessed to the point where I was genuinely concerned for my safety. Like branches were getting blown off trees. There was lightning crashing about 10 meters away from where we were. I was, it, was, it was pretty sketchy. So today's been a little bit cooler, but it's still like, like late 20s, I'd say. Humidity's cooled off a little bit, but... Yeah, DC is hot, man. Like seriously, seriously humid. I think if the temperature had been today what it was yesterday, then all of the players would have been really struggling. But yeah, it's it's hot, man. Okay. Oh, well, maybe not as bad as it um, has been then. Um, the lineup um, was kind of similar to to what we've been see- seeing uh, recently. Uh, Defusero, um still yeah. at, uh, at centre-back. Robinson um, coming back in. I actually thought Fulham started this game quite well. There was that spell early in the first half, kind of like three or four corners in a row. I thought that Fulham had a couple of opportunities. I thought that we uh, actually started okay. We obviously know it tailed off um, halfway through the first half, but actually it, it did all kind of look promising for a bit. Yeah, exactly what you said. But ultimately, the Fulham's undoing today was the lack of chances we created. I think we had one shot on target for the whole game. And it really showed. Like Never at any point during the game did we really have a prolonged sort of spell of pressure at all. We held up defensively okay. Thiago Silva received took the lead about the 20th minute from a corner. We don't really concede many from corners. So that was quite rare. But it was just one of those rise highs. Maybe it was a bit of... Um, you know, naivety from our centre-backs. But other than that, it was a defensive mix-up that put Chelsea 2-0 up. But yeah, our undoing today was our lack of creativity going forward. Whether it be, you know, the end of a series, the heat, whatever, the fact that it's a friendly, but it was, you know, our our attacking options left a lot to be desired today. It has to to be said. I thought Bassi looked really good when he came on, second half. I'm sure we'll Mm. come on to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, just wait quickly on uh, Tom Kearney. He went off after 18 minutes. He got injured after about 12. Um, there was absolutely nothing in it. It didn't look like a challenge or anything. It just looked like he pulled up in the middle of the pitch and then just sat down, which is often more worrying, isn't it, than they, when they come out of a tackle hurt? Because you just kind of know that there's no reason for him to go down after 10 minutes like that. And obviously Tom had a, uh, an injury setback last year when he got injured in that Sunderland game. So I'm just really hoping because we struggled a bit without Tom Kearney, even though he's not a starter, I think we struggled about him off the bench. So we'll have to wait and see, but it's just not ideal for another player to pick up a big knock. Yeah. I mean, we can only hope that it's a precautionary you know, substitution, obviously Bobby Decker over Reed coming on for him, but we did really miss his presence. And it's just one of those, we'll just have to wait and see. But I mean, Fulham have really not come off well on the old injury front from this summer series. You've got a question whether it's all worth it. I mean, yeah. fingers crossed they're not long term, but I mean, that's, that's very damaging. Three very core cool members of the squad there, potentially looking at spells on the sidelines. I mean, yeah. Not ideal at all. 
No. And when you think back to last preseason as well, the way we lost Harry Wilson in preseason, we lost Manor Solomon on the second week of the season. Um, you know, once is unlucky, twice might just be coincidence someone's going to start asking the questions. I've already seen a couple of people asking the questions. Is there something that Marco's doing? Are we not like preparing properly? It's all just speculation at the moment. I'm not going to buy into those conspiracy theories right now, but two seasons in a row, we've been dealt kind of bad hands injury wise. It just happens to see it seemingly keeps happening to key players as well. Yeah, I guess, having this summer series it's uh it's semi-competitive i guess that's the only way that you could describe what it is you know it is a mm. tournament there's a trophy going out i mean how much either team really care about that ultimately you know it's a uh, it's an endeavor i'm gonna to guess and... chelsea really 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 don't care i don't think fuller <laughs> would have massively cared but i'm gonna i'm gonna hedge my bets that it's not it's not gonna go ahead of the club world cup but i would say that it's it's got more impetus than a friendly at Aldershot Town would have, right? You know, yeah. you've got eyes here, you've got a, a full stadium. People are going to want to come out and perform. You know, it's not as if it's a total warm up. I'd say it's a level up from those kind of domestic friendlies that we normally see. And I guess it's balancing up, you know, gaining new fans, new support, showcasing the team to to you know uh across the pond compared to potential you know starting the season with a few injuries <sighs> i don't know i don't know man um it's hopefully it's nothing too serious but you got you genuinely have to qu- ask the question like is it all worth it if we're if we're starting the season without some these key players but yeah. yeah, I guess I guess we'll only be able to uh, tell when we see the starting line lineup against um, Everton. Uh, let's come on to some positives and some of the players that came on in the second half. I thought Fulham were improved in the second half. Again, didn't really threaten, but we just looked a little bit more stable at the back. And you, and you wonder if Calvin Bassey had been there since the start. This is nothing against Luton to Fajarol. Like He's been good. I, I'm really excited for him. He's actually playing out of position. He's a fullback, not a centre-back. Um, but Bassey came on and we did just look a little bit more defensively. Sure, few stray passes. There was a few... Um, uh, he didn't quite have the radar fully honed in yet, but I thought he came on and also allowing Diop to go to the right, I think makes life more comfortable for him too. Mm, first of all, I just want to say how impressed I've been with Defugerol. He's really stepped up and I think has got a bright, bright future at Fulham and indeed in football. I think we've got a talent on our hands there. I really do. But I have to say when Bassi came on, he looked... So assured, so confident. He's a commanding presence. Huge, like big, big guy. And also has, you know, the pace, the strength. I think that he's going to be a real asset. I have to say when he came on, we just looked so much more comfortable at the back. Um, yeah, I, I, it was it was a very, very assured debut. And I look forward to seeing him in the Premier League. I think that he's, yeah, I think, I, you know, from what I've seen, very very impressed and the other one I think I was most impressed with was Raul uh coming on yeah and look I I don't want to hate on Vinny because we all love Vinny and he seems like the absolute character of the dressing room and he has his qualities but Jimenez came on and whilst he didn't really make too many chances or have any chances I just thought he came on and just 
battled and scrapped and wanted it. And I just thought, oh, there's a centre forward option that we needed at some points last season. Absolutely. And I think, as we kind of mentioned in previous pods, I don't think that he is necessarily the answer in terms of the like for like switch for Mitrovic if he does leave. He just gives us that other option. And he was dogged, ultimately, didn't get many clear-cut chances but that's not really his fault but yeah no he looked he looked really sharp and determined and as I said like players that have come to Fulham with a bit of a point to prove maybe have often thrived over the last few years so I I expect to see some good things from Raul in the in the opening weeks yeah and uh the other positive Andreas Pereira coming on um he tried an an incredibly audacious shot from about 30 (laughs) yards towards the end he had absolutely no right to be shooting from uh he got it got blocked um naturally it was great hearing him on the uh podcast that Tim Ream's doing the American Dream um fascinating interview with Andreas if you haven't listened to it I'd, I'd highly recommend talking about the time he got Kaka's shorts and uh, he also talked about how he basically convinced Willian to stay or at least that's what he said yeah um, <laughs> so he claimed uh, yeah um, but back from injury it's been a tough one for him so great to see him on and again just one of those where it's just a glimpse today it's not like he came on and changed the game the game was done by that point especially in, in all of these summer series I feel like the last 20 minutes has just been a, a basically a, a walking session but he came on looked assured and it's exciting to have him back as as fast as we're losing players we are getting players back yeah just a major bonus I don't think anyone really anticipated be back so soon it was a surprise when we saw him named on the bench and to get a run out is just you know incredibly positive he looked sharp Again, I think it's more of a case of trying to get him back up to match fitness. I'd be very surprised to see him start against Everton, but unbelievably positive. I was expecting for him to be out for the first month, I'd say, of the new season. But yeah, it's great to see him back on. And you could, he got an amazing reception from the Fulham fans that are here in the FedEx field too. So yeah, just yeah, brilliant to see. Okay. And uh, it was interesting. You wouldn't have seen this, George. Uh, Tim Ream actually got interviewed on the telly during the match, um, <laughs> which was uh, which was quite cool. Talking about um, his injury. He didn't seem to suggest it was ages. He was like, yeah, a bit of a setback and stuff. Um, uh, and then also then talked about uh, Calvin Bassey being a competition for his place. But he kind of, all the classic cliche football answers, relishing the challenge, competition's good, etc. There was nothing there that I didn't expect from uh, from Ream, but it was good to hear from him. Uh, just finally, George, um, the atmosphere in the stadium, what was it like? Felt like a lot of Chelsea, but we also could, uh, we could definitely make out the Fulham fans um, on the TV. If you come on Fulham's every now and again, it sounded, sounded like Fulham held their own, but maybe the majority was Chelsea. Yeah. Just on the Tim Ream though, I'm currently watching him do sprints from either oh. end of the pitch. He's he looking... said he had to do, he said he had to do that on the telly. He said, Oh, after the match, I'm going to have to do sprints and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he looks, he looks fit, you know, he's, he's definitely nearing fitness, if not fully, but obviously I can't um, speak for how his arm is feeling, but um, yeah, I'm currently watching Tosin and Ream doing shuttle runs, it seems, on the pitch, so yeah, all pretty encouraging, but the atmosphere's been great, I have to admit, it's been, it's two-thirds Chelsea out here, as as to be expected, you know, um, but the Fulham faithful in fine voice, sadly, the drum that they 
try to smuggle in Justin, who's on the Telegram group, tried to get a drum in and that got confiscated on the way in. But oh. <laughs> regardless of that, <laughs> it's been, uh, it's, yeah, really, really fine boys. Just a great day all round. You know, it's been, it's been brilliant. It really has. Americans love any excuse to get a band into a sporting match. Why are they panning? What are they banning drums for? Spoils. I know, sports. right? We we got the TIFO in though, which which is which is uh, which is positive. Yeah, shout out to Fulham in the South group that um, have been amazing and so much fun to hang out with. They got their custom TIFO that they were painting in the tailgate. How many? How often have you seen that sort of, you know, arts and crafts and then straight into the ground? Brilliant. Amazing. Uh, just before we go, George, I thought it might be nice. Uh, yesterday, uh, you mentioned that Brian McBride was at the uh, the DC meetup. So I thought it might be just nice to, uh, it's only a quick little interview you got with Brian, but I thought it might be nice to play it now. So this is uh, George yesterday at the official Fulham meetup in Washington, DC, uh, chatting to the legend himself as Brian McBride. I'm joined by a genuine Fulham legend here. One of the founding fathers of Full America, Brian McBride. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm very well. I mean, how does it feel to uh, see so many Fulham fans here on uh, on home soil? Yeah, it's uh, it's a special time. Days like this, you know, it, it rarely do I get the opportunity to do things like this. So um, to be able to see everybody, talk to everybody, answer questions, um, and just you know, reminisce about uh, Fulham is so enjoyable. Now, you've had so many amazing moments that are very deep in the uh, memories of Fulham fans. You obviously had the goal in your debut against Tottenham, the great escape season. Which moments do you stand out when you look back at your time at Fulham as uh, really being at the forefront of your memory? I think, you know, first of all, my whole experience was just amazing. Um, you know, from day one, I always felt a part of, of the club. Um, and that just that grew deeper and deeper every year that I was there. So, uh, you know, a special memory. Normally it's trophies and, um, you know, winning things. Uh, but the way that the team stuck together that last year that I was there, uh, to be able to work together, keep the focus, never doubt ourselves, and, and really be able to, to stay up in, in the Premier League, uh, was was probably the one thing that I'll remember the most. Yeah, and can I just say, from I mean, I've been a Fulham fan all my life, and I'm sure I speak on behalf of every single member of this fan base. Just thank you for everything you've done for the club, Captain America. It's a real honour to get to speak to you today. Do you think that there's this special bond between America and Fulham that could really push on and become bigger than it already is? Uh, yeah, of course. I think you know, not only uh, do we have does Fulham have roots with American players, but. Americans are now really starting to, to enjoy worldwide soccer and Premier League's at the forefront of that. So why not? Why not have you know more uh, American Fulham fans? Thank you so much right. for your time, Brian. Right, really appreciate you. it. George, I was describing this to my dad earlier and I said that you had a face that looked like a child that met Santa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's about right. He was lovely though, and uh, he seemed to have a lot of time for everyone yesterday. And great for them to get a bona fide American legend down to uh, to one of these events. Oh, absolutely, man! He was—I cannot tell you—he had time for everyone. He was chatting. To, he spoke to every single fan that wanted to talk to him that evening. Just an absolute role model. Huge. I mean, he's a club legend. Let's not forget. But he stuck around for ages. You know, he really 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 seemed to be enjoying it 
and he still looks you know fit. he still looks like he could start for us you know like get on the end of a cross like he's he does not look it, it has not aged at all you know he still looks fantastic and it was amazing to chat to him you know they say don't meet your heroes but I'm I'm absolutely honoured to have got the opportunity to have a very brief chat with him yesterday and I hope that I relayed uh you know the the feelings of the fan base just to thank him for everything that he's done and yeah after was in the tailgate i did a few interviews with um with members of the various supporters groups that are out here and i asked who is the first player that comes to mind when you hear the word full america and i have to say brian mcbride was the one that came up time and time again obviously there's the others but i think he was definitely one of the founding fathers <laughs> yeah. you know the benjamin franklin maybe of of uh, of full america but what an honor what an honor man i was i was yeah in, in delighted to have got the chance to speak to him all right well we'll uh, we'll leave you there george you've got to get a flight back tonight to uh, to the uk so uh, safe travels back uh, any final words on uh, on on your on your week in uh, in america going to all these fulham games and, and meeting all the fans Obviously, Sammy, you're out with me in Philadelphia, and just uh, you know how friendly everyone is, how excited to see Fulham on American soil playing. And the only thing I can say is that I hope that the club get the chance to do this, you know, next season and really build on this foundation that we've got. This amazing relationship between Fulham and the United States, and it's just a totally different experience watching football out here. Obviously, it's pre-season, you know, the, the pressure is off, but the whole tailgating culture. And just the connection, you know, it's like, I feel like there have been so many people who've met other Fulham fans and, you know, have agreed to, you know, oh shit, I'm, I live in New York, you live in New York, we're both Fulham fans, let's go for a drink. That whole kind of feeling, it's been brilliant. Every single event has just gone incredibly well. I mean, hats off to the club. They've, they've organised lots of stuff and obviously getting Brian McBride and, you know, Les Strong out to the event in Philly, it's it's just been it's been so much fun and you know long may it continue and i hope that we get the chance to do it next season as well yeah hope so right coops safe flight back thanks for jumping on after the match thanks man yeah uh my pleasure i'll uh, i'll see you back in the back in london all right in part two i'm going to chat to jack collins and we're going to look at all the latest transfer rumors when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast is Sammy here with Jack Collins. Hello. Hello, mate. How you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, we've not been the only ones gallivanting this week. You've been doing uh, a tour of Ireland. Yeah, it's been amazing. I uh, went over for a wedding last weekend and have sort of traversed the west coast of Ireland. It's been absolutely unbelievable popping into sea cousins, etc. And, and just sort of examining the west coast in all its beauty it's been uh, truly remarkable so i've had i've had the best best week and i know that you boys have had an incredible time in the states and um, it was a shame that they happened at the same time it would have been amazing to be over there but yeah i feel refreshed and uh back in touch so all is all is well 
did the amount of Guinnesses hit the three figures or is it just comfortably in the two? Well, I actually swapped. So I'm a convert. Uh, I got past the border of Kerry and basically went on to Murphy's, which is basically only available in sort of the southwest of Ireland. And it's a bit like Guinness, but it, I think it's a bit sweeter, slightly less bitter, a bit more nutty. Um, so I, I made that change about two thirds of the way through the trip. And so the last bits were, were Murphy's. But I think just in terms of stouts in general, yeah, I reckon we're, we're probably touching three figures. <laughs> I mean, when in when you put an Irishman in Ireland for, for in Rome, Rome. yeah, what what what's going to happen? Uh, no, no surprises here. Um, right, let's have a bit of a like top line on transfers uh, today. Uh, obviously, a couple of transfers have been confirmed uh, in the meantime. Uh, Calvin Bassi and uh, Raúl Jiménez. Um, just firstly, Jack, what did you think of both of them in the game yesterday? Yeah, I was impressed with Bassi actually. Uh, I thought he was very sharp. He looks agile. There are still obviously bits in his game that we need to work out. I'm still a little bit wary of him playing as a left centre back in a four. I don't think that he's his best position. He's been pretty good at left back. And I think that in on the on the left hand side of a three in a centre back, that's probably his best role. But I was impressed with him yesterday. I thought he handled Nicholas Jackson well. I thought he dealt with the threat that Chelsea posed pretty well. And I thought he looked the more assured and the more agile of our two centre backs, which was which is important because I don't think we were doing particularly well in those regards, mostly through the game, but especially in in, in the first half. So it, it was nice to see him come on and look relatively comfortable on the ball. That was always going to be a strength. Um, and I think that if we can get him assured and into a position that, that he likes, and, and look, obviously, Marco Silva improves players. And we've said this time and time again. So if Marco Silva is able to, you know, mould him into that kind of player that is comfortable in the left-hand side of a four, then I think that there's definitely potential for him to to really impress and, and to improve. He has all the raw attributes to be an excellent centre-back. It's just there have been moments of... I wouldn't say sloppiness. It's probably not the right word. Just almost switching off that we've seen in his game. And he struggled, obviously, at Ajax. But I think that there definitely is a player in there. Uh, and Jimenez, it was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? He didn't get much of the ball. And it, at times it did look like people weren't used to playing with a striker who likes to drop off and make those connections, which is weird because actually that's something that we've seen lots of from Alexander Mitrovic over the past two years. It just felt that it didn't quite work yet. But when he did get the ball, I thought his first touch was lovely. There was a few errant passes here and there, but his ability to link up play, I think is going to be really interesting. And it offers something different for this Fulham team. And I think that when you kind of add him getting back up to speed and the fact that he's obviously an experienced striker with Premier League pedigree, I, I like that signing. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty smart sign. I, I I don't know if, if Mitrovic leaves, and we'll talk about that a bit later, I don't know if it's the one that you go, right, it doesn't matter because we've got in a replacement. But as sort of an augmentation piece and as someone who can do different things, I thought he was, you know, I thought it was a pretty smart move and, and I quite like it as Fulham laying the groundwork quickly for issues that may or may not arise. Yeah. Um, no, I, th- I thought Raul just came on and just like his touch and everything else just looked like a step above what we've been used to with someone like um, Vinicius. And yeah. and I'm, I'm hopeful that just a little bit of uh, a fresh breathing space, new territory and all of that might just 
reinvigorate Raul. I have a funny feeling we're going to be discussing this in a year's time and we're going to be saying like, oh, that was quite a smart signing from uh, from Fulham. I can definitely see that one um, being a possibility. Let's look at Mitrovic because... I mean, this is the story that, I mean, the twists and turns of it this um, this summer have been incredible. And the latest twist is that there haven't been any twists um, in about a week. Mm. And it's all gone very quiet. And I mean, the standard are reporting today that uh, Mitrovic will still push to leave Fulham this summer, even if his big money move to Saudi Arabia falls through. My first thoughts on on that particular story is that well, if Saudi Arabia can't afford him, then who the hell else is going to afford him? I saw that his agent, about talk that his agent Sahavi offered him to Inter Milan and yeah. things like that. That but- fits. I'll be honest, that fits. And and I think that actually you look at who Milan have lost this summer in Edin Dzeko's gone off to Turkey and Romelu Lukaku doesn't look like he's going back to them after having a brief flirtation with both Juventus and AC Milan and has annoyed almost everyone in the entire world by the looks of it, then they do lack a presence, physical kind of striker who's able to bring someone like Lautaro Martinez into the game. So actually as a move and as somewhere where I think that Mitrovic would start every single week, Inter Milan actually fits. Um, Now, I know that's not what we want to hear. I don't know if they can afford him. But there was talk that they were getting closer to the sort of 70 million mark that Chelsea were asking for for Lukaku. And so if that money's available, I think the thing with Saudi Arabia is that we've seen them offer incredible wages to people, but we haven't seen them put loads and loads of money up front. You know, mm. we, we saw Hubenevsch move for around 45-ish, I think was the, the about the, the money that was, was put on deck for Hubenevsch. So, I mean, they seem to find the money for Mbappe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if I'm being perfectly honest, that that's all geopolitics as opposed to anything else. I, I don't think that that's ever actually going to be a, a, a thing. I think that that's Saudi Arabia seeing a Qatari asset up for sale and going, okay, we can really, really throw the cat amongst the pigeons here. So I don't think that that money was ever really there. Uh, look, there are people that know more than I do, but I'll be honest. I, I really don't I, think I, that I agree with you. It was an, it was an opportunistic thing and the state of Saudi Arabia would have found a way to do it. Yeah. As you say, just to kind of spite Qatar and whilst in the real world, other than Mbappe, who is a like just a different level. Yeah, they haven't found the money. Yeah. So I, I wonder if actually, you know, you look at the wages on offer there, and that's the thing, but they haven't overpaid in terms of price tags actually for players. And, and that's what's been really interesting. And you look, we discussed it the other week about the fact that you said this is the first time that Saudi Arabia have had a bit of pushback because they're trying to buy a player that someone doesn't want to sell it, as opposed to picking up players that everyone kind of assumed we're going to leave anyway. And then that's the, that's the strange kind of dichotomy with the Mitrovic thing. If Inter Milan have the money, I can see that being a really smart move for them. Um, whether they have that money or not is a very different question. It looks like there's a lot of different loans going out in and out of Inter Milan at the moment. Stephen Jang is discussing lots of different things across various different platforms. But if he was going to go anywhere to a team challenging for titles, etc., in Europe, I think that that's the kind of place that makes the most sense. And much as I don't want him to go anywhere, that would be a move that I'd look at and go, yeah, okay, you've earned your shot at going to win Serie A. You know, you know you're going to a Champions League finalist. I could, I could probably accept that a bit more. This is my whole thing on Mitrovic, is that, look, I, I'll be 
gutted whoever he goes to. But actually, if you had to cherry pick a club where I'd be happy for Mitro to go to, I actually don't think I could think of a better one than Inter Milan. Like he would be going to challenge for honours. He would be playing in the Champions League. It's a move that makes total, total sense. And so that was my half, my thing with Saudi Arabia was just like, you're not going there because you want to like improve yourself or improve your career. And, and I am a Mitrovic fan. I haven't been much of a massive Mitrovic fan in the last few weeks with the way he's been acting, but I am a fan of Alexander Mitrovic. And if he has to go somewhere, go to Inter Milan, like go win things, go achieve your potential. Not this nonsense of you going to Saudi Arabia when you're 28 and score, you know, shooting fish in a barrel and scoring loads of goals, but not really doing anything with your, of your career. So, you know, option A, please stay at Fulham, but as a last resort option B, I'll take that above him going. And also when you think of the idea of him going to a, another Premier League club. Yeah, no, thank be, you. No, thank you very much. Very hard to take. Back in Syria, go do your thing. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be watching on BT Sport every Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so we'll see how it pans out. Whether they have the money or not, as we say, is a very different question. But if that was the option, I, I don't mind it from his perspective. Um, Jack, obviously signing Calvin Bassi means that we won't be signing Mohamed Salasu. And it looks like Monaco have already kind of got in there and, and managed to agree a fee uh, for Salasu, which is interesting in two ways. First of all, that Fulham really were just going for one or the other and we have opted for, for Bassi. Two, though, Monaco agreeing a fee for another central defender when currently they are also looking at our central defender. I wonder if that has an impact on the likelihood of them signing Tosin. I, I do think there's a sort of third chain reaction point in here, which is that they look like they're about to sell Axel Zazassi to Chelsea. And mm. I think that they probably needed a centre-back before they sold anyone this summer. So I still think that there is a chance that they bring in two centre-backs um, and, and then look to kind of cover both bases because obviously Tosin is a right-footed centre-back. He can play on the left, but I think that you look at what he's done and, and you kind of want him on the right-hand side, really, of, of your centre-back pairing, whereas Salasu is very much a left centre-back. And that was the interesting thing about the Bassi thing, that they both were left-footed and playing the same channel. And so I'm glad that Fulham haven't gone and signed both, if I'm being honest, because I think that there would have been too much stress on that left centre-back spot. And I think that our next centre-back signing or someone that we need to bring in probably needs to be on that right-hand side in order yeah. to provide competition and, and, and stress for, for Diop as well. So we know that Diop can play both. We know that he's able to, to switch sides. And, and I think that would make a nice centre-back core ahead of the next season and coming into it. One more on top of Diop, Reem and Calvin Bassey. And especially because Bassey can do a job at left back as well. It allows you just a little bit more squeeze and stretch depending on, on how you want to do it. I think that there is a chance that we look to play a back three at times this season as well. We'll, we'll discuss it more. I'm sure on the Thursday club when, when Peter's back with us um, and a lot ro rotates around that Mitrovic situation and how that pans out. But if that does end up with him staying, I think there's a real chance that Fulham go to a back three this season, which means that centre back cover is going to be really necessary. I am a little bit sad we missed out on Salasu. I think he's a really, really good footballer. And obviously at Southampton last year, everyone struggled at times. But I think that there is a, a situation that in two, three years, someone is looking at buying Salasu from Monaco for sort of 70 million odd. I think he's got that kind of level of potential. And 
whether we'd been able to get it out of him, whether he'd been able to succeed in the same kind of system that he might do at Monaco, kicking at sort of a different pace, challenging for Champions League places, challenging at the top end of the table, different question. But just in terms of his all-round game, the ability that he has, the fact that he's so young and he's still so early into his career, you know, this is... So that Southampton season was basically a second full season as mm. a senior pro. There was that year at Valladolid, but ultimately they get Southampton gambled on his potential. They're going to take a, a profit and another gamble on his potential from what Monaco are seeing. I, I think there's a serious footballer in there. And, and actually I'm, I'm a little bit sad that we missed out because I think that his potential bar is probably a little bit higher than Bassi's. Yeah, I guess Bassi may, maybe a bit less of a risk yeah. than than Salasu, so we maybe went for the safe option in this. I think also regard. more versatile. You know, that left back thing is a point, and just the fact we don't have cover at the moment on that left hand side means that Bassi becomes an option in order to to fill both of those roles, which is I think important to Marco Silva. And and, and whereas Salasu, you you do not want as left back. That would not be a vibe. So when you kind of put all those into context, I can understand why Fulham did it. I just just a tad sad. Um, one player that won't be arriving, Balatore. Yeah. Well, actually, two players that won't be arriving because Yunus Munza also definitely uh, uh, not not arriving. But yeah, Balatore, I thought was a good to go. Like Demarcio tweeted that he was coming, so I was kind of all ready for for that to happen. So interesting that that has fallen through. Yeah, I, I can understand this from his perspective as well because if you're going to leave Milan who are a really exciting project, have had a really interesting summer at the moment. He's obviously second choice left back between behind Teo Hernandez. And that's fine because Teo Hernandez is one of the best left backs in the world. But I think he'd be coming in at second choice left back of Fulham. And I think that if he's going to leave Milan, why would he go to become second choice left back somewhere where Champions League football is not happening, where there's no European football, where there's not those opportunities to actually play? So... I can completely understand this from his perspective. And that was why I was a bit confused by it. It felt like an interesting move from Fulham, but also at the kind of age he's at, at the point of his career he's at, to come in as second choice left back behind Anthony Robinson, who's been so crucial to Silver's system, who's been so important to the way that Fulham play, I thought would have been a bit of a strange move. So when it was announced, as you say, by Demazio, that it was basically a done deal, it did feel a bit like Milan were forcing this upon him because they clearly want to get rid this summer. Yeah. And I think that he's probably gone, I don't want to go there. If you're going to sell me, sell me, but sell me to somewhere where I'm going to go in and be first choice left back from the start because I need that at this point in my career. So, yeah, I, I think that we've... Dodge the bullet is completely the wrong word because he's not a bad player. He's, he's not had a great time at Milan, if we're being fair with ourselves. It's not been, I think, what he would have hoped for. And even in his limited opportunities, he's really not shone. But there is definitely a footballer that you can you can see and, and, and someone that has real high potential in there as well. But I don't know if Fulham's the place for him to realise that. So I, I'm not that sad with that one missing out on that one. I am sad about missing out on Eunice Moussa. I think Moussa's a really interesting player. I think he can play a number of roles. He can play six, play eight. He's played wide at times, although I don't really like him there. And yeah. what he what he brings to a midfield, I think, would have been something that would have fit really nicely in at Fulham this season. So I'm sad that we've missed out on him. But again, that project in Milan's really interesting. And you can understand why players are intrigued about going there. I still think that Fulham are going to sign a player from Valencia, sign a midfielder from Valencia. The obvious player to sign is Andre Almeida, who I think is going to be a superstar. Yeah. 
players that are potentially um, arriving, though, Callum Hudson-Odoi, um, still strongly, strongly linked. Um, looks like Fulham are trying to just basically get the lowest price possible, yeah. as they always would do. Um, offered kind of in the four and a half million, um, if reports led to be believed, and Chelsea want eight. Um, I guess we might as well try and go for as low as we can, but at those kind of prices being touted, it feels like a matter of time before this happens because eight isn't a huge amount to pay. I imagine Fulham are probably looking for somewhere in the six, seven, meet in the middle. And what a what a bargain that is. Yes and no. It's a bargain and a risk, I think is is, is the, the truth of it. If we can get Callum Hudson-Odoi playing the way that he was when he was young and the way that he did when he kind of jumped in, he's a massive project in terms of, being able to revive his career. But for 8 million, it feels like a really good gamble. One working, he was really bad at Leverkusen. Um, but you do kind of look at what he, the system they played and the fact that they didn't really play without and out wingers and the fact that Hudson Adoy plays in that sort of Willian role of, of drifting inside and trying to make things happen in those regards, then I like this a lot. Um, yeah. And at eight million, I'm really surprised that there's not more clubs coming in for him. West Ham not being involved in this one. They seem to be involved in every single deal that Fulham <laughs> ever make. But this is the one that you go, why aren't you involved? What's going on here? Why have West Ham decided they don't want to be involved in in, in this deal? So he's a good crosser. He's uh, he, he has never really. I think lived up to the hype that was placed on him. And look, those buy-in bids of 30, 40 million years back. And the fact that Chelsea wanted 70 at that point, I think blew the hype majorly out of proportion with Callum Hudson-Odoi. But by all means, that doesn't mean he's a bad player. Um, he has had a bad couple of years. Injuries have, have limited him. But I do think that at these kind of prices, that's well worth the time. And if Fulham are bringing him in for anything, even at the full 8 million that Chelsea won, I, I think that's well worth the buck and well worth the, the risk it takes to, to try and get him firing again. Because if you do, at 8 million, that's going to look like a steal of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this. I think when you're getting a player that young at that kind of price, it almost feels like there is very little risk. Obviously, it could all blow up and he could tail off and even if you lose him for free in three or four years not ideal it's eight million wasted but yeah like, but with with amortization that would be what two million a year two and a half million a year it's fine almost almost nothing uh, and the one player that's been linked all the way through it continues to rumble on um fred I, I mean, I, I saw a tweet from uh, Ross Harwood, uh, a football journalist, mostly interested in Man United. Fred will leave the club. Galatasaray and Fulham are front runners. Currently Galatasaray are closer, but both clubs are possibility. So I have a kind of funny feeling that this won't happen just in my gut because I feel like Fred will be convinced by the kind of bigger club. But I guess... We're in the fight, but I have just a funny feeling we're going to come second in this one. He's always wanted to play with Mauro Cardi and, and Wilf Zaha. He's always said that. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it, I don't know if it's that we'll lose the fight because of that. I just don't think we're going to go to the price point that Man United want for him. And I think Galatasaray might. Uh, and I think that might be the difference. The other thing that's happened is that Kobe Mainu, who's been really, really good for United in pre-season, plays in the same kind of role, has got injured. And what that means for the futures of... McTominay and Fred 
I think is is a question mark because there's not loads of depth in those areas for Manchester United and it currently looks like they're blowing their entire transfer fund on a number nine and the goalkeeper. So whether they're able to actually free up the funds to to bring in another player in those areas and, and make it work, I don't quite know. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that one develops. I think they were pretty excited about Manu and, and what he could bring and being that rotation option in the middle alongside you know, Ericsson and, and Casemiro and one of McTominay or Fred. But the fact that he's got injured, I think, might just might just stretch things out a little bit in terms of they might wait to see how that recovery starts to progress before they think about selling him. So I think this one might end up being one that goes close to the window. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty much it uh, on the transfers front. Uh, one more interesting thing. Um, looks like Exeter might be eyeing up a, a move for uh, for Luke Harris. And um, I'd be all on board with this because it, it, it's clear that Luke needs some some game time. Um, Exeter treated Jay Stansfield very well last season. He yeah. did very well when he was there. So I'm kind of all on board. It looks like maybe even a little partnership's Forming. And we've heard in the past from Tony Khan about how it's not easy to find clubs to send players on loan to because they have to agree to um, all of Fulham's kind of data requests and they have to be aligned with what we're trying to do on the pitch and tactically and everything else like that. So if Fulham have found a good club at a good level um, that, that works for us, then kind of happy days for both parties. Yeah, um, I think that Harris has been relatively bright when we've seen him in, in pre-season. I think there's been enough to to like and get behind. But ultimately, it kind of depends on what Fulham are planning on doing in that number 10 role. I think if, if Fulham are looking at bringing someone else in there, then there doesn't seem to be a pathway this season for Luke Harris. And therefore, he probably should go out on loan. If they don't, with Pereira coming back from an injury, TC hobbling off last night, it does sort of feel that there might be opportunities in those spaces. So I, I think it does depend on what Fulham's plans are in terms of bringing in an attacking midfielder. But yeah, if he's going to go anywhere, I think the Exeter seems as good a place as any. And as you say, worked out for, for Jay last season. I think that it's going to be interesting to see if something similar could work out for Luke. Yeah. Um, since we recorded last night uh, with with George, Jack, um, Marcus Silva uh, was pretty... Uh, scathing of uh, Fulham's performance, uh, labelled it their uh, worst half of the tournament. Uh, he said it was not our normal standards, not just because we conceded two sloppy goals, but the way we started our offensive organisation and attacks was not clear. We did not control the ball like we normally do, and we completely lost control of the game. Um, seems to be uh, a classic Marco Silva just turning up the dial a bit like we saw last summer and we have seen in lots of summers previously where uh, I remember last year he, he said before the Liverpool game we are not ready and things like that so feels like Marcus Silva's doing it again but he has right to be concerned because it's looking so threadbare yeah 100% and in the first half Fulham were incredibly lethargic I thought to be honest lethargic for the whole game but especially in that first half it just looked like we were unable to get into our rhythm get into gear now obviously it's really hot and, and these things are important in trying to factor in exactly what it's going to look like but yeah it just looked like Chelsea were fresher we've obviously seen I think someone said that Issa Diop played the most minutes across the entire Premier League summer series we do look like and right now that's going to be a concern for Marco Silva now obviously 
the window is the window and you have to work at the pace that sometimes it, it, it works at itself. You have to work at the pace of selling clubs. You have to work at the pace of you don't want to you know overpay for players, et cetera, et cetera. But it is sad, I think, that we've got to this point at, you know, we're in last week of July, last days of July here. And we've known that we were safe since what, February, really? Yeah. So ultimately, we've had an opportunity to get ahead of the game, to, you know, to step on it, to jump the gun, and we haven't taken it. And similar to what we said at this point last season, which, you know, it has, doesn't mean that it's the end of the world, as we saw last year. But we talked about this when we we're like, we've known we promoted since April. Why have we not been on the phone to clubs? But sometimes it doesn't work quite like that. You know, clubs have to work out where they are for next season. They, a lot of these things rely on chain reactions, on domino effects, on the first one falling from the top and allowing it to trickle down into the mid-table clubs. It's not the only way, but I think that in the way that Fulham like to do business, those things matter. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit disheartened by what we saw yesterday against Chelsea, but as you say, I mean, you te- you texted at half time saying, "Do I really have to watch the second half?" It was really bad. The first half was really yeah. bad. I was just saying, like, oh, just just what's going on? And it wasn't, you know. I think the thing is that it didn't feel like anything was going to happen. I turned, you know, I watched it because literally the two substitutions. I was like, oh, it's very important. We watch this now to see what Bassi and Raúl are, are doing and how things turn out. And thought the youngsters that came on towards the end were impressive as well. Matt Dibley Diaz looks really comfortable in possession. Some really nice touches from him. But yeah, it did feel a bit at half time like, ugh, this is this is dull, this is dire. And you know, thankfully it improved a little bit in the second half, but but equally it did feel like the end of a preseason that's felt pretty grueling for for Fulham. And that's not going to change as we head into the season. The last thing you want to do is see your players knackered at the end of preseason. Mm-hmm. But I suppose that's part of the part of the kind of draw of of learning and getting back into the rhythm of things after a little bit of time off. So I don't think there's any reason to overly panic. But yes, I think Fulham need reinforcements and Marcus Silver is, is probably right to, to call things out and be like, I feel like this squad is too threadbare right now. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that'll do for today. Uh, we just need to uh, name uh, today's podcast. Um, Jack, I've got a few uh, three word reviews here. Uh, feel free to uh, pick which one you like. Uh, TJ Fogarty said different capital derby. Um, Fulham Traveller, Stephen FFC said we've been FedExed. Uh, and uh, Boise at Ben Cumber Six says summertime sadness. Yeah, summertime sadness is good. Um, I think that might be a little bit dramatic though for the pod name. Uh, let's not let's not uh, overreact too hard. Let's go with uh, different capital derby. All right, thank you, TJ, uh, uh, our, our friend from Fulham, um, who, uh, who we met several times out uh, out there. Thank you for your uh, three-word review. Uh, and that'll do for today. Uh, on Thursday, uh, we'll be back looking ahead to uh, this weekend's final friendly of the season. Uh, we're going to see if we can lure Peter Rutzler out of retirement uh, to, to jump on the show. And uh, yeah. Well, uh, obviously kind of maybe go a bit more in depth into into Fulham's uh, potential new tactical approach and maybe we'll have a signing or two to chat about by then. But Jack Collins, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me, Sammy. And we'll see you on the next one. Come on, you whites. You whites.